unlike any other religion on the planet, ours celebrates a resurrection. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. Welcome. Today, here on Graceful Truth, we'll consider the resurrection, the third day. We would invite you to join us from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. This is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Coming up next, a look at the third day. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 16, 1 Corinthians 15. That's where we find ourselves today in our message entitled, The Third Day. What does it mean and why does it matter? And what if it never happened? We'll answer these questions here today on the broadcast as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. Won't you join us? Again, from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth. Here now, our teacher and pastor, Pastor Steve Converse. I want to speak to you this morning about the resurrection of Christ, but we want to talk a little bit about a couple different passages some of you may remember reading and reciting the Apostles' Creed early in your uh, religious upbringing. And for those of you who may not know what the Apostles' Creed is or how it goes, I'm going to recite it for you here this morning. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and was buried, and descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from where he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. That's the Apostles' Creed. Dr. Billy Graham once told Time Magazine the following quote. He said, If I were an enemy of Christianity, I would aim right at the resurrection because it's the heart of Christianity. That is so true. I mean, you see so much going on about the death of Christ. And there's a lot of even Christians today that I hear them say things like, well, without a doubt, Jesus was raised from the dead. But it doesn't really matter to me whether he was physically raised from the dead or not. I'm not going to argue that point. It doesn't matter. One writer put it this way, I think the resurrection of Jesus really happened, but I have no idea if it involves anything happening to his corpse. And therefore, I have no idea whether it involves an empty tomb. So I would have no problem whatsoever with archaeologists finding the corpse of Jesus for me. That would not be discrediting of the Christian faith or of the Christian tradition. Are you serious? <laughs> 
I mean, that raises a very profound question, beloved. What would happen if you picked up the San Jose Mercury News tomorrow morning and it said the body of Jesus, the corpse of Jesus, was found near Jerusalem? Would that affect your faith? Shouldn't, because they'd be lying. But what if they really did find Jesus' body? What if he really wasn't raised from the dead as we read in Scripture? What would be left of our Christian faith? Would it matter at all? Or would we just kind of go on in our religious Christianity as if nothing happened? Because I think for some that might happen that way. They would just go on and it wouldn't affect their Christian life at all. I'm here to tell you, if they literally found the body of Christ, everything we do as far as Christianity goes, you can wash right down the toilet. All your religion, all your beliefs, all your prayers, all your hope, any hope of forgiveness of sin. The Apostles' Creed says there in that one line, it says the third day he rose again from the dead. Doesn't say if, doesn't say but. He did it. Jesus Christ died on Friday. Nobody would dispute that. In all of history. And on Sunday morning, he came back from the dead. Well, what does that mean to us? Turn over to the the Gospel of Mark. And I just want to read Mark's account of this because we're so familiar with the account of the resurrection of Christ. And for time's sake, I like Mark because he's very brief. (laughs) Did you ever notice that? Everything in the Gospel of Mark is kind of truncated. Matthew goes on and on and on, and, and John and, and Luke. But, but Mark is, you know, everything's immediately. He's definitely got my spirit as far as patience goes. He seemed like a very impatient person. He wanted everything done right away. If you go through and you track the word immediately through the, the Gospel of Mark, it's, boy, everything's happening right away. And I just want to read this portion of Scripture and just make some comments as far as introduction goes. And then we're going to look over it at 1 Corinthians 15. But it speaks here of the resurrection of Christ. It says, when the Sabbath was passed. Now, what is the Sabbath? What's the Jewish Sabbath? What day? Saturday, right? Now, in Jewish social circles and religious circles, everything was focused around the Sabbath. They didn't have Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday like we do. It was always the first day, the second day, the third day after the Sabbath. That's how they numbered. They numbered their days according to the Sabbath. And the Sabbath ran from sundown to the following day. And so when you stop and you think here, it says when the Sabbath was passed, all right, this is clearly the Sabbath is over. Sunday morning, as we know it. It's probably early in the morning. Some of the gospel writers say that it was still dark, and some don't. Some say as dawn was appearing. If you want a fun little thing to do, read all the gospel accounts of the resurrection of Christ, and you'll get the whole picture. But to me, a lot of people will look at that and say, oh, they contradict one another. Like Mr. O'Reilly thinks that he has to straighten out the word of God in his book. They don't contradict one another. They complement one another. 
It's just different individuals telling their story. That's a testament to the authenticity of the Word of God. Think how it would be if they all read exactly the same. It wouldn't take me long to sit back and say, I think these guys kind of just got together and made this story up. But when you read through the different gospel accounts, they all pretty much say the same thing with a different take on the actual facts. It's kind of like if there was an accident down here on the corner of McGarvey and Roosevelt and we were all out there watching it and the police came to interview us, we'd all have a different take on the accident. How fast was he going? Some would say, oh, he's going fast. I mean, well, he wasn't going that fast, but the other guy, he was zipping through that red light or stop sign. And, well, no, he didn't go through the stop. We'd all have a different take on it. Why? Because we all see different things. Our, all, our minds, our, our eyes focus on different things. And so the, the distinctions between the Gospels doesn't say that, oh, they all contradict one another. No, it, it, it complements the whole story. And isn't it interesting that one detail that all of the Gospels have included is that on the third day Christ rose from the dead but one thing you're not going to find in all the gospels you're not going to find details of the resurrection of the actual resurrection the event because no one was there just like creation no one was there we couldn't conceive of how God spoke things into existence. Even if we were there and we saw it, we probably couldn't come up with words to describe it. And the same thing with the resurrection. Oh, there were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Christ. I'm not saying that. Clearly there were. But nobody was sitting there watching him rise from the dead. God left that out. And I think he left it out because it's too glorious of a truth for us to even comprehend in our finite minds. So it says here, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Solomon, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. They didn't think he was raised, even though he said it over and over and over and over again. I'm going to suffer at the hands of all the religious folks. They're going to hang me on a cross. I'm going to be executed. But on the third day I'll rise. He said that multiple times to his followers over and over again. But they didn't didn't get it. They couldn't comprehend that. And so here are these dear ladies who were close to Christ. They followed his ministry. Another little tidbit that's kind of interesting is that the only people that ever minister to Jesus are angels and women. Even his own apostles, his own disciples. It never says that they ministered to Christ. Isn't it interesting that women were the first to see the resurrected Lord? They saw him die on that Friday before the Sabbath. The other accounts of the Gospels tell us that they were there. They saw what happened. They saw the Romans punching and brutalizing his body. Nailing him to that cross. Hanging him there. And then eventually they saw when the body was taken down. Joseph of Arimathea took it and put it in the tomb. They saw all that. So they knew where to go. And they were simply coming to anoint the body with spices, which is one of their traditions. 
they would come and they'd anoint it and they had to do it before the fourth day because the fourth day it would just be not good. <laughs> It'd be too late. The spices wouldn't help by that point. So they came to anoint, go and anoint the spices or the body with spices. And it says, verse 2, and early on the first day of the week. When is that? The first day is always the first day after the Sabbath, which is our Sunday. When the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. See, beloved, that's why our church meets on Sunday morning. There's a, a lot of people say, well, it doesn't matter what day you meet. You can meet, you know, Wednesday, whatever. I think it does matter. I think it matters because that's the day the Lord Jesus Christ was risen. That's the day the New Testament church met. We don't practice Sabbath anymore. This was the last Sabbath in history, legitimately. It was actually even the last Passover, legitimately. Christ is our Passover. It's the new covenant. He ushered in all that. So many times, even Messianic Jews get caught up in the whole Passover thing. I understand it's important to understand the tradition and and all that, but there's nothing in the Passover for us. Christ is our Passover. It's over. It's done. It's just like we don't, you know, think that Saturday, the Sabbath, is a special day. Why? Because Christ put an end to that when he rose from the dead on the first day of the week, which would be Sunday. When the sun had risen, they went to the tomb, it says in verse 3, and they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Couldn't you just see these, these women who've gone through this horrible experience? I mean, they were close to Christ, probably maybe even closer than his own disciples in a lot of ways. I think they understood that he was to be the Savior. And here on that Friday, they watched him die. They watched him be buried. And all of Saturday, they were probably just grieving. What happened? What went wrong? And they're on their way to the tomb with these spices in hand. And they're probably trying to comfort one another maybe almost as a diversion from their grief, how are we going to get in? I mean, the stone that they, they, we saw them put in front of Jesus' tomb was enormous. How are we going to get into the, the tomb? We didn't think of that. Who's going to roll away the stone? And just about that time, it says they arrive at the garden tomb there. Looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. Wow. Can you imagine? When I go back east, I always make it a tradition to go over to our family burial plot. And my wife asked me one time, why do you do this? I "I don't know. Pay respect? I don't know. I understand it's just a dead body in the, the, the grave there. That's not where my loved one is. But can you imagine if I went over there, pulled up to the plot, Someone had taken a shovel and dug up the coffin. I mean, that would be a little weird. Like, what's going on here? And you look in the hole, there's nothing there. And the coffin's open. No bones, no nothing. That would be a little freaky. That would be a little hard 
to digest. It says that it was very large. It rolled back. The stone was rolled back because it was very, it was very large. In verse 5, And entering the tomb, they saw a young man, which is an angel, we know from the other accounts, sitting on the right side, dressed in a brilliant white robe. It says they were alarmed. Yeah, you think? I mean, first of all, the, the stone is moved away. They go to go into the, 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 the tomb there. And they saw a young man, an angel, supernatural being, on the right side dressed in a white robe. And then he spoke to them. Verse 6. Do not be alarmed. It's funny how when angels speak in the Bible, they can always be understood. They always speak in the language of their hearers. And by the way, they're always men. There are no female angels. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified... He is risen. He is not here. He is risen? (laughs) Wait a minute. What do you mean he is risen? You mean he's not here where they put him? He's not here. See the place where they laid him. And they're looking and they see the burial garments there. Other accounts tell us even how they were folded and all sorts of things. It also tells us that one of the Marys didn't even go in. She ran right away to tell the disciples. That's what the other gospel accounts tell us. And her idea was somebody stole the body. (laughs) Somebody stole the body. Verse 7, it says, But go and tell his disciples, and then look at what the Lord in his grace and his mercy does. And who? And Peter... (laughs) don't forget him I mean this poor guy had been just having a tough time last couple days thinks he's defending the Lord in the garden cuts off one of the soldiers ears and Christ has to rebuke him before that is rebuked get thee behind me Satan when he tries to tell Jesus he's not going to go to the cross denied Christ go tell his disciples and don't forget to tell Peter (laughs) because he's going to need to hear this, that he is going before you into Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. See, and we're not going to go into this, but in other Gospels, and, and previously even in the book of Gospel of Mark, Jesus told his disciples exactly what was going to happen. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised on the third day. And I'm going to be with you in Galilee. I'll, you'll see me in Galilee. He told them, go to Galilee after all this happens. Did they go to Galilee? No, they didn't go to Galilee. It took them eight days to go to Galilee. They didn't listen. She says, there, the, the angel said, there you will see him just as he told you. And they went out, it says, and they f- fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. I'd be a little uh, afraid too at that point. Think of the emotions that are going through their hearts. Think of the emotions that are going through everything that, that these poor women had seen. In Matthew's account in, in chapter 28... 
I just want to read this because Mark is kind of giving a truncated report here. And by the way, that's where the gospel of Mark ends. It ends right there. You say, well, I got some other verses there. Well, if you read the text, they weren't in the original, the older manuscripts. From 9 on, it should be in brackets. So the gospel of Mark just kind of just drops it right there. Hey, he rose and boom, that's it. But I like this little caveat that Matthew puts to the end here in in chapter 28, verse 8. It says, So they departed quickly from the tomb with great, or with fear, and what? Great joy. Mark left that out. You think they're just going away, going, Man, this is weird. What's happening here? Almost as if they were, you know, just struck with fear. And they were. But you know what? It's kind of like after, have you ever been in a traumatic situation? Maybe it's even a good situation. And you're just shocked at the outcome of something. And it's almost fearful. It just, it grips you. And then after a while, you begin to realize, wow, this is actually a good thing. And the joy begins to set in. Well, that's what happened here with these women. First, they were just trembling in their boots as they made their way to the disciples, then all of a sudden, everything began to settle in. And it says, great joy filled their hearts. You know, that's one thing about the resurrection. If there was no resurrection, there would be no way that we would be here today. There would be no way that the Christian faith would have ever survived at all. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because... This is kind of where we're going to spend the rest of our our time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because this tells us what does this resurrection mean. When they say that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, what does that mean? Well, we know that Jesus truly died on Friday afternoon. And we know that from the gospel accounts on The third day, on Sunday morning, he personally, bodily, physically, actually, literally rose from the dead. Never to die again. See, his resurrection was special in the fact that other people have been raised from the dead at this point, right? Jesus raised a couple people from the dead. But they were going to have to die again. Not so here. He rose personally. It was Jesus himself. It wasn't some substitute He also rose bodily, meaning that it was his crucified body that was raised from the dead. And he rose physically, beloved. He physically rose from the dead. It wasn't his ghost. It wasn't his spirit. It wasn't some figment of their imagination. To say that he rose, what we mean and what the authors intended in the New Testament to say is that he actually literally rose from the dead, physically, bodily, in every way. Word resurrection means to be raised immortal, incorruptible, never to die again. And here, Jesus, having once experienced death, the Bible says, and having triumphed over it, he would never, ever have to die again. He was raised immortal, alive from the dead. See, that's the neat thing about our Savior. He still lives today. Amen? He's still alive today. He rules and reigns in our hearts as his followers. See, that's what we mean when we say that on the third day he rose from the dead. 
Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade 5. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse.